danger. Okay, so uh, that's cool that you pointed that out because I just thought that ladies just kicked him out of the van and he's astray, but he's actually going to a location. Right, he needed a ride there. So he tricked Grouchy uh, into going Cheryl. to the Inland Sea. Well, Cheryl is in the back seat and Cheryl's uh. the chick. Okay, if you don't want me to call her Grouchy, her name is... You can call her Grouchy. She was, you know... Uh, her name in the film is Marjorie, and she's an actress named Christine Coeg. She's really Irish, and she's only got three credits. Her 1994 was her last credit. But throughout this movie, she just is grouchy, I'm telling you. Now, isn't it ironic that you're sunbathing in the outback <laughs> with your San Francisco yeah. hat? When the car comes, right. When the car comes, turn up the sound. His okay. hat says San Francisco? Yeah, that's uh, the Niners, right? Or, oh, okay. okay. I, I get the teams mixed up. Not the Giants. Yeah, it's, SF. Yeah, 49ers, right. look at that. Why didn't I notice that? This is the fourth time I'm looking at this thing. So technically, this is a San Francisco movie. I suppose. <laughs> All right, I got a full volume here in the studio. No, but it's really when just something, something. Okay, you. I'm behind you. This sucks. The joke is, he pulls up and he's like, "Have you seen such and such?" And the guy goes, "No." And then he starts driving away, but he's right, like stranded so in the desert. What's your timestamp? Seven fifty-seven. I'm I'm not using my faithful PlayStation 4 today. Yeah. What's your timestamp now? 812. Thank you. I'm with you. Okay. Man. All right. So they're in the van. Right. Look at that Niners hat. It's gold. Look at that gold rim in the back. That's so cool. <laughs> I've never seen a hat like that. And I've trust me, you know, in San Francisco, everyone wears their sports colors. Everyone. Everyone wears yeah. their sports teams yeah. stuff. Not everyone here, but we got a lot of that too. Teams are a big, big deal. A big deal. How much do you think that sets you back, like to, to be a faithful fan? Well, um, it's I guess it. around two hundred fifty dollars, let's say. Like you have the yeah. jacket, you have the hat, you've got a pin, a pin, a pennant, you know, blah blah blah. Okay, so look, yeah, he picks up this guy, sort of saves him, picks him up. His name is Ryder. Turns out he's a cop. And unbeknownst to Mike, he's about to be in the middle of a shootout. What the fuck? Oh, right. He brought him in a ride, ride along. It's yeah, ironic he because his name is Ryder, but he, he actually is the driver. <laughs> I guess so. Tag along. What was it? Ride along. Ride along. Ride along. Ride oh. You remember Ice Cube? Kevin Shea? No. Not I Kevin Shea. Kevin Shea is a comedian I know. Oh, okay. Kevin Hart. Oh, I what 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 what? There was a movie called Ride Along where Oh yes, I saw Ride Along. Okay. I saw no, Ride what, Along 2. Yeah, right. Right. This is Ride Along 3. Rider literally <laughs> takes him. I'll pick you up from the outback. But let's go uh Okay, so the cop gets out of the car and he begins to fire at this crazy oh. militant. This is like Mad no, Maxi. No, he uh well, it's that's just a coincidence. It's really, they're not Mad Maxi. There's nothing okay. steampunk about them or whatever. A little steampunky. Well, because they're, but but this is steampunk, pump, 
Hunk adapted this from. They just meant it as motorcycle riders. Oh, the goggles. Sometimes yeah. goggles are just goggles. Is just right, right. Aesthetic to it. They weren't going for steampunk. They were. Steampunk. Hey, I like I like your Harley Davidson uh, aesthetic. What are you talking about? I, I like your sports team aesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> he just coincidentally is wearing a. That's like me wearing like an look, Australian look, team. It's a clue. It's a clue. Yes, yeah, great. It's poison. He's still going to burn it. He's going to burn this whole place because he's going to destroy the poison. You see, we don't know it yet, but uh, there's like some people who have been killing sheep, and he's a cop and he's investigating, but he's like an outback cop. So he just. That's the crime, poisoning sheep? Yes. It's got to be something like rival farmers or something, you see. You know, I know from watching Mad Max, gasoline, you can't really waste it like that in the outback. <laughs> This was shot in 1987, released, you know. Yeah. Now, it will deal with time travel, but most all of it is in 1987. Oh, to go back to that year, graduate college, high school, I mean. This is like a video store movie then. Well, yeah, this never made it onto DVD. This is a VHS copy we're watching, and later you'll see glitches. You see, they spent almost 700000 dollars on this film and i think that's australian dollars but they only made like 10 grand of australian dollars oh what a bummer yeah this was a um okay here's connie and i'm instant messaged her on facebook we would be delighted if you would we'll see if she bites i hope so okay so Connie knows Ryder, all right? And Connie keeps on referring to Mike as Blondie over here, you know, because he's some hitchhiker. He goes, right. my name's Mike. I, I'm Mike. Mike, no. I'm Mo my name. Mike. Connie Stanton. This is the, Connie's home. That's a cool home. Yeah. Used to be now, Howard Johnson. Now, why is Mike with them? Because Mike has nowhere to go, and they know it. He's Does like, he have his surfboard with him at least? Yeah, yeah, it's in the back of uh, right. Mike's, Mike's little Jeep here. So eventually they're going to go to the diner. Yep, yep, yep. All right, I'm ready. Here, a couple well, of BS. Yeah, it's, um, what's the, tr Foster's. Foster's. <laughs> there was an Australian comic at the Cove. I think his name's Eric Lydon, and uh -huh. he was making fun of it. We don't drink your, we, we don't drink Foster's because we think it's shit. He goes, we drank Budweiser. <laughs> what you blokes think is shit. That's really funny. Yeah. So now they're, like, we're finding out, like, Connie and Ryder are great, great friends, and they work together a little bit. And, you know, he's a cop, and Mike is there for, um, you know, he's talking about surfing on the coast, and you know about surfing, and... Right now, he's looking him up. But anyway... He looks like Robert Davi. By the way, he's totally bald. And because he wears the hat the whole time, I missed that the first time around. The second time I saw this film, his hat was off, and I was like, whoa, dude! Claire. <laughs> yeah, get a, get a... 
get a toupee or something because wow dude that's so cruel do you think the crew is like hey can you put your hat on <laughs> i'm trying to light the scene you see this is 1987 if this was shot in 1997 then Ryder could have been bald just 100 percent shaven and he right. would have looked cool like bruce maybe Will. Maybe he'll have a cool Australian goatee with the bold shaved, or maybe a neck beard, cool Australian neck yes. beard. Now, one thing I really liked about this film is like, Mike just coincidentally happens to know all sorts of stuff about engines, just because any Australian would, you know? Now, uh, Ryder's very suspicious of Mike, but Ryder's gonna get his hand stuck in the machine, and Mike is gonna save him. And that will be the first time that Ryder's like, maybe this bloke's yeah. all right. But on the other hand, maybe he's not. Yeah, the hand that didn't get stuck is still <laughs> suspicious. On one hand, I'm glad uh, Mike's here. On the other hand, who cares? Now, later we'll have a callback to this scene. And when Good. he comes back, he'll say, mind your hand, mate. <laughs> and so he won't get his hand... No, I okay. don't have the volume on, and I've never seen this movie, but it looks like Mike did that intentionally. Uh, no. He turned it on. At, at the request of Ryder. He's fixing uh, the, fixing his, me truck won't work. That's what Connie was all talking about. See, so see, he saved him. Yeah. See what you have done. He it took me so Ryder. long to figure out that song. I thought it was C period, C period Ryder, like some dude. I didn't realize... Uh -huh. Elvis was telling the, the horseback rider. <laughs> <laughs> Elvis. Elvis! I had no idea it was Mrs. Cece. Cece, Cece right. right, Mrs. Cece. Why would anyone want a po poison sheep? Now, there's this whole thing about poisoning sheep. There he's bald. You see, how did I miss that the first time I ever watched it? Wow. Right, there he is, bald. On the cell phone game or something? You think you were on your cell phone at the time? I guess maybe because I only ever saw him <laughs> with the hat. You can see the reflection off the bottles of his head. Now, Connie and Mike clearly are attracted to each other. And Ryder doesn't like it, but not from jealousy. He's not interested in Connie. But he doesn't super not like it. It, like, irks him. And it'll never play out and develop into anything in the plot, although it's totally implied in this scene and a few more coming. Yeah. Like, when he was getting out of the car, he said to Mike, you mind yourself around Connie, right? You know. Yeah, look at that eye. So, <laughs> right now, Connie's like, such and such. And he goes, Ryder goes, but you are going to help me tomorrow, Connie. You promised. And he goes, I'm very busy. And he goes, Mike can do it. Now he's paired up with Mike. But Mike did just rescue his hand. So he's like, all right. Trust them a little bit. It's kind of weird how he's just fallen into their lives. They don't say, What are your plans? Now, he said, I've got this note here, turn it up. This okay. is when he's going to talk about it. By the way, are we doing a, a, a not a kill count, but a beer count? How many times they drink beer? Because this is the third time, it's her third beer. I'm doing I a Connie do... beer count. Okay, it's her third beer in this movie. Yeah, so yes. You can't really hear, can you? Oh, no, no. Because of their accents, I don't understand a word of it. Okay. Very funny. Okay. So, audience, 
what happens here is he's really explaining the, the backstory of are we underwater? I'm I'm playing it. <laughs> you you think the video is the only thing muddled in this in this copy? <laughs> okay, so <laughs> ah, fuck it. You oh, I'm sorry, it. man. I'm to... He gets it. it There's some funny stuff, but that's okay. We'll catch the next thing. What is you know your number count? Australian humor is like so dry to me. Like I could not understand the subtlety of Barry Humphreys. What is what is your time count? Okay. Eighteen fifty six. Okay. He's Great on deal. a fire and she's like See her uh, foot's in the she's having past life experiences. Is she really? Turn it up, turn it up. Okay. He's Cheryl, Grouchy. Well, the funny stuff is her, like, past life experience stuff. So we'll see it next. Okay, now they're in a room. The Her father passed away, and he was a cricketer. Cricketeer? Cricketer? This was film. Three. What? He was one of three cricketeers. The three cricketeers. Now, this film was originally titled "The Cricketeer," cricketeer, because it was about a. Uh, the film started as a story about a mythical cricketeer in outback Australia. The Robert Redford film "The Natural" seems to have been the inspiration. Whoa! So it went from the natural ripoff to a time traveling outback <laughs> adventure. Yeah, and the thing is, the the script was pretty. Uh, the script is pretty tight. I don't know how they switched it up in the middle. They must have had all the time Sorry. travel stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that was the the concept of this. So film. now Mike is bumping into a scrapbook in which we're going to learn this backstory that Ryder killed his son by mistake. He was playing a cricket game and he hit the. The cricket ball hit him in his chest, and he killed his own son by mistake. It was it was son slaughter. I can't believe he's reading it out loud. Well, you know, he, we are listening. So, and also, I can't believe Ryder has a scrapbook of the time he killed his baby with a cricket ball. Somehow, Connie is in Ryder's life. I don't get how. Maybe he's an uncle. So what now there's flashback? Ryder. He's a tortured soul. He killed his own son. No, he's a rough and tough cop in the outback where nobody, you know, he doesn't know a lot of people, you know. Oh, a diner. Rock and roll. Wait, is this a flashback? No, this is the diner closing for the night. We were hearing a crowd oh. of diner people, a uh, bar people. Do you remember in the movie Easy Money, Joe Pesci and Rodney Dangerfield got so high that they had to eat something, but not the wedding cake in the back of their van? They pull up to a diner and it, the lights go out and the diner says open 23 hours. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to see that film again because I remember loving it. Well, they wind up eating the wedding cake, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Dingo. Dingo! That's did where he's Dingo, supposed to meet. He, did the Dingo kill his baby? Population 20. No, he killed the baby. 
Yeah, that's uh, what he, he hits the kid with the baseball and he goes, oh, uh, dingo kill baby. Dingo. <laughs> it's not a baseball. It's a cricket. Don't you know how the game plays? Cricket ball. You want to play grasshopper? I mean, I mean, play cricket. cricket. Hello. It's American right. football. Now okay. he's going to go into the store. Uh, and we're going to meet a not funny guy who's going to do this up? not funny thing about how much he hates dust. Go ahead if you want. It's you not a funny So he thinks that like this dust mite is dust. He's like all wrong. And he's going to get straightened out later when this professor type shows up. He has a picture of a dust mite above his produce. Yes. Now, that sounds funny on paper, but believe me, this guy does not pull it off. So Ryder has sent him here. You remember that, that piece of the poison label that he found? Yeah, that's he right. I remember that. Oh, he's so going he to wants... the local emporium. Right. Trace this. Who bought this? Where was it purchased? You know, from your store or whatever. That's cool. I didn't realize this is a procedural. Now think about how Wild West it is, right? The cop doesn't do it. He sends some kid he just met from right. hitchhiking. It is Wild Westy. Punk okay, rock. so there's a company called Valhalla Presents. And they had a like a string of cinemas. And they made a bunch of films. Now, the guy who directed this name's Barry Peak, and the guy who produced it, his name is Chris Keeley, or okay. it's Kylie, but I think it's I Keeley. said Kylie, yeah. So it's K-I-E, just like in your name, Spiegelman, it's E sound, Keeley. If this is German-derived, I don't know. So anyway, they made a film, Future Schlock. They made huh. a film called Channel Chaos that they hated, so they didn't release it. They made The Big Hurt, and they made this as time goes by. And this was the final film. Wow. So I they had the a big easy. run of making some money, but this yeah. film didn't work. It's funny they had a disowner film. The Big Hurt. I, I prefer The Big Easy, Carl. Uh-huh. That's right. It was easier. Yeah. Didn't hurt as much. It was more of an escapist film than The Big Hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I got dust and they go blah, 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 blah. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah, there's the dust. Fucking ouch. Dust times 100,000 magnification. You think he was like a good television actor who just got himself a role? Uh, well. No. Theater. Look. Okay. His Don't name is Don Bridges. And um, he was a the dust-obsessed Outback storekeeper. Born in 1950 in Melbourne. Uh, he's known for three. But look, look how current this is. Troll Bridge, 2019. I mean, he's still wow. out there doing it. Judy and Punch, 2019. Oh, Button, I know that movie. 2021. You do? Judy and Punch, yeah. Yeah. I, I got to put. I got to remember to watch that movie. I wanted to see it. Instead of Punch and Judy, it's Judy and Punch. Very funny. Let me try to look that up, too. Judy and Punch, 2019. We're, we're, I'm getting it off a title. Okay, so now he shouldn't walk in there. Well, he's a cop. Who's, oh. I know, I know, but he's got his balls about him. So he oh, goes. So in, should we say privates? <laughs> now, what's that, Mike? 
That's the poison it is. Now here comes a guy in Spurs. Right, Wild West. L.J. Weston. And he'll play heavily into our film. L.J. Weston. Look, he tracks weather. So it is a Western. It's a Western. Yeah. Weston. Weston. L.J. Weston. The actor's name is Ray Barrett, and he had a little bit of fame, but as you might imagine, we wouldn't relate to any of it because it's all in Australia, and he was in the troubleshooters in England from 65 to 71. Oh, man. He was, you know... Oh, he was the first actor put under contract for Australian Broadcasting Corporation drama selection. What? What? I'll tell you how I found this film. I found it purely through YouTube. I was looking for films, and this popped up, and I looked up it up on IMDb, and I saw the poster as well, and I said, oh, this sounds cool. Let's do it. Yeah. You were also hitting me up. I had to get, I had to get a something in but this one looks well I've this never... is a good film uh in the end um oh. it's done well and it's a good choice it doesn't fit with your theme of um i don't have a theme of bad movies of yes you do <laughs> you read about them when they were, you were young and you couldn't see them and you always remember yeah. them. but now thanks to youtube <laughs> well to be honest this, this movie came out during our youth in 88 and uh it was definitely like be accessible in the united states this definitely had been a video cassette right this was never released theatrically in the u.s and the video release i think i have it here oh yeah only on vhs but what year was it 1989 this was out on vhs but i don't think it was bought in the american market the film was never distributed there crazy yes i don't know about the vhs maybe it was i i had mentioned uh there's a documentary on the australian exploitation film industry called uh not not from hollywood Uh where where they discuss how like barry's humphreys and mad max generated this this maverick industry yeah and they would make these crazy exploitation films we actually this was right before you joined the show carl but we watched an early one, which is no longer on YouTube, called uh-huh. Turkey Shoot, which okay. was kind of like a battle royale, and it included a werewolf eat, who eats toes. And in the documentary, they're like, yeah, that was a low point. But, you know, they were just, anything goes in these films. They would Should shoot I see Turkey Shoot? Yeah. Maybe should should, well, let's see if Turkey Shoot's on. At the end of the show, I'll see if Turkey Shoot's on, and then we'll do it as a future episode. Okay. We already have a movie pick for next week. So if the okay. audience would like to know, you have to watch, listen to our show, and then we'll mention it at the end. Yeah, for the big reveal. Everyone's on the edge of our seat. I'm, they're writing about us on the Huffington Post. Oh, on the HuffPo? So is this Thelma and Louise, you, uh, Aussie no. version? No. no. Grouchy, no this and... Is grouchy and past life experiences, lady. Oh, their van broke down. What is this? Yeah, they're uh, then broke down, and they're not going to be able to get out of there for a while. And that's how they're going to fit into our plot. Now, this guy is crazy scientist guy. Somehow, he found out that there's aliens here. This is Weston. No, no. This is a guy named James McCauley, which is a boring name for a film. And... um He's like an alien-obsessed mad professor type. He has some awful job at a tracking station, 
and this is his way to get famous is to find an alien so he'll be set up as our bad guy gotcha uh... okay. now this is the guy we saw in the beginning of the film who saw right. the spaceship crash he's finally approaching it yes he he's going to go up to it he's going to hear the sounds of a crowd inside and then he's going to run away scared he's seeing it for the first time oh i would definitely pull from my bottle on that one as a squeak, professional squeak, squeak, doctor, squeak. as a professional doctor nobody will get that but you and me it looks close budweiser oh exotic beer you understand you we don't drink Folsters, mate because we think it's shit we drink Budweiser. Which you think is shite. Right, shite. Oh my God, there's background sound effect noises playing. Oh, well. So this isn't skull drinkery. I'm not having a drink. <laughs> right, I'm here to do some skull duggery. Okay, now, for the first time... We see his shirt off. Right. Now, even though his shirt off is off like that, and he looks like that, she's still interested. You know, there wasn't a lot of people to pick from. Uh, all right, Carl. Yeah, I guess you're picky, right? What, he has, he has pointy elbows, huh? <laughs> yeah, like, there's no definition. Like, there's no <laughs> fat, but at the same time, I don't see abs. This is a guy who hasn't done a crunch in his life. Yeah, right, yeah, throw away. And those off oh, the bottom of his ribs, gross. I can gross. think about what a skeleton looks like. You're killing me. <laughs> I wish but I Connie looked doesn't good. care, and Connie's going to kiss him right now. Okay, come on, come right, on. Get ready, come on. Kiss already. All right, the flies are down your face. Now, kiss. in Australia, this guy was very famous, okay? This guy was name is... Uh, his name is Nick Needles, and it's N-I-Q-U-E. So it's like Nicky Needles or something. Cool. He was in The Boy Who Had Everything, Kimono, Shout, The Story of Johnny O'Keefe. We wouldn't know this stuff. But she would. So she was kissing a famous person. If she will do the interview with me, one of the things I'm going to ask her was, how exciting was it to kiss Nicky Needles? Come on now, come on. Barrel, barrel. Oh, look at that. The picture, the ghosts in the picture. Yeah. That's why I was saying, like, this is a pretty good film. Like, they really tried hard, and I don't know. It's, it, it isn't pretty, but we're watching a VH copy, VHS copy. I'm sure it looks gorgeous, this sunset. Probably. And, yeah. And all the outback desert sure. scenes, you know. The blooming onions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's where the blooming onions are good. They aborigines chop them and with machetes and harvest the blooming onions look how that i don't know if that's honest look how low that that moon cannot be that big no i'm sure they got the right angle and i'm sure the original shot had it not cropped either now she is not wearing a top but we really don't get to see anything we certainly don't see areola but i had my fingers crossed and the thing is every time i watch this film 
tried really hard, but no, no, she's <laughs> not topless. Whoa! See? Oh, see? Yeah, yeah she threw that in there. Perfect. You, you tried it, really hard. It's 100% covered, and she did it in a flash. Perfect. So your problem with this guy is that he's too easy on your eyes. He's too easy on your eyes. I don't really have – okay, did you almost see it? Whoa! Her elbow right. caught it, and then the blanket cut it. I really don't have a problem with him. I was just trying to make you laugh. No, now, no, you did. You did. He pulls out the, you know, he's going to say, like, what's this story? <laughs> he killed his son. And she's oh, like, my God. What and she's like, killer. don't bring it up to him. You know, he's very sensitive. But the very next scene we see, he's going to bring it up to him. You just had sex. Hey, <laughs> is it true your roommate killed his baby? What a buzzkill. See, he hurt his hand from the accident. Oh, it was recent. Well, he was, you know, he was helping him fix the Yeah, end. right. Oh, his hand. That's right. On the other hand. I liked it. He goes, can you fix the engine? And, he, and Mike was like, sure. Like, he just happens to know how to fix an engine. Everyone, everyone from then would. Yeah, right. He goes, well, I know, didn't know you were a cop. In Road Warrior, they all had to learn how to uh, build engines. Yes, they did. Yeah. Or take prisoner people who did know how. I'm sorry. I meant Mad Max 2. Did I say Road Warrior? I meant to say uh, Mad it's, um, Thunderdome. That's Mad Max 3. Oh, oh, oh. You see, in Europe, the Road Warrior was a sequel to a very popular film that wasn't was it more of a cult film in the United States? Uh huh. Should I see so, it? It's called The Road Warrior. You you already seen it? Oh, okay, okay, okay. They I've named seen it all the Road Mad Warrior. Max film, so I guess I did. You saw the last one, right? From with Formosa. I don't know. It had a uh, blood bags. Oh, yeah, with um. Sh uh, yeah, her. Charisse Theron. Uh -huh. Yeah, it was terrible. Terrible. Awful. You don't think it was the best movie of 2010s? I don't know. I don't All think right. it was a good movie. Interesting. And I don't believe her as that tough character and 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 uh, is okay, he looking for well, a diner? Here's our professor, and he's gonna lie that he's looking for meteorites. Okay, oh, no. why don't you listen this time? Their interaction's a little funny, especially when he shows him not a that's not dust there's no incidences here this this is okay funny it reminds me of uh, that Mick Jagger movie we watched where he goes into the Brazilian store to tell I'm him Mick that. Mick Jagger. Yeah. And he's right. like, oh, Julio Iglesias? He's like, no, Mick Jagger. Oh, Julio Iglesias. Turn it up, turn it up. It's a louse? So he's like, finds out that he's got the story wrong about dust. But he made posters and all that shit. Yeah, and he, you know, he thought dust was the louses. He finds out, like, dust is particulate matter, pet dander, 
human flakes of skin. It is microscopic, but it's not. Oh, no. Alas, poor Skull uh, Oric. Oh, he's up. Alas, poor Oric. Oric. Uric. Uric. I knew him. I, oh, clearly, I knew I him. Horatio. I knew him. How can you tell us Horatio? From his skull tattoo, it's still on there. His head tattoo. Face so tattoo. he mentioned Joe Bogart, the, the drifter guy, you know, the skull collector guy. It was like, oh, it was a, it came down. And then Joe Bogart. And so Mike, that's who gave him the letter, Joe Bogart. goes, what did you say, Joe? I can't believe we're a half hour to this film and you haven't done a Bogart joke. The, okay. This Joe Bogart character doesn't really speak. He uses like old movie phrases. Really? I think we should turn the sound up for this entire scene. Okay. Now, I told you this film was good, and this is one of the reasons. This is one of the scenes. Blink, blink, blink. So he speaks in movie phrases. Now you see how he's connected to the ship. Yeah. Nice sound effect to it. Now keep this sound up because you didn't hear it before because you wandered off. He's going to speak in movie phrases. It really is extremely popular in, in uh, Australia, by the way. I don't like them myself. I think he's Groucho Marx marks right now. So can I tell you how 80s this movie is with the sense of irony about the previous generation and, yeah. you know, it's pop culture influence and then he regurgitates it and that's ironic? Yeah. And we're, and it's always like 20 years prior or 30 years prior. And you've yeah, made previous that note before. But it's also like at the 80s, people were looking at a lot of stuff from the 50s and, you know, the movies from the 40s yes, and stuff yes. and putting it in a new context. Oh, Car oh I should plug well, something from the, the yeah. story about how the power capsule fell off and he wants Mike to go get it, essentially. Jesus, does, can Mike just surf? Must he fix everybody's shit? Well, he's got a letter that was 20, 25 years ago telling him to come here today. Now, to help out. We're, yeah, we're going to learn now about time travel. And I want you to not turn the sound off when we. <laughs> okay. Leave it. Leave it. Leave it now? I got it. And then I can take a pee break, right? No, Mike. Okay, now. Now he says he's from a constellation. Okay, look at the time. Okay. The hands of time show 1026. 
Ash. He's killing himself. This is crazy. Now it gets even worse. Check this out. <laughs> now look, you've got a little time thing, which is a shaker for a bar. Uh huh. And he turns it back a minute. We'll still have Paris. Everything is fine. It's a minute earlier. 10.25. A minute before everything went bad. My favorite jug back in one piece. Your hand. Curiously on off. Curious. Okay. Oh, it's 10.26 again. I swear to crazy. Can't you tell that I'm joking? No. You understand what happened before? No. They went back in time. This is pretty cool. Okay, so now he's going to tell him what he wants him to do. Now, does that make sense? This is in the future. I'm trying to process it. Oh, okay. You can turn this sound off now. So now he, he's going to get his first lead on this meteorite, which is really an alien ship. That guy over there goes, it fell from the sky. This is a little funny because he's insulting them right to their face for being like hayseeds and primitive. You know, he's from the coast. He's flying like right. Sydney or Melbourne. Now, the woman sitting there is going to get mad at him and punch him in the face. This happens, so it's like a New Jersey bar. I guess, yes. So they're going like, you like science? You should see J.L. Weston. He tracks the weather, he does. Now, there he hears, it fell from the sky. Oh, perfect. What that a coincidence. Out cold. Out cold. Is he drinking a beer now? Yeah, Budweiser. Okay, so Mike's on four drinks. Oh, okay, okay. You're doing the beer count. So, okay, Connie's not the one to count. Mike is would be okay. There's less beer than you think, but maybe I'm, I didn't pay attention. Well, I mean, they had a beer when they got to the house. They had a beer over dinner. Uh, they had another beer now mm -hmm. he's having a budweiser here so that's four yeah so now it's essentially i got to get my ship mobile again but i can't do it until i get my whammy jammy thing so i want you to go out there and get my whammy jammy thing i like this diner there's like seats for two and that's it <laughs> so he says that the last time he was here he was he helped them in los alamos with the atom bomb the manhattan project yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm missing all his uh... banter. And then later, Cheryl will say, I saw him in Los Alamos at Joe Bogart's diner or bar. Maybe it's bar. I guess they're in a bar, not a diner. 
yeah, it could be a grill. A bar and grill? Yeah, you never see a grill alone. There's always a bar and a grill. Right. I guess a restaurant is a grill, Joe's Grill. Joe's Grill. And bar. Joe would be like, no, it's Joe's Bar and Grill. So now we just gave him a note. It's a little map that it's drawn where the power thing is. But it's in the handwriting, although we don't know it yet, of Ryder. Oh, really? Yeah, and now he's telling him, look out for J.L. Weston. He might try to kill you, kid. Just like he tried to kill Ryder or something like that. That's but he's crazy. warning him against J.L. Weston. He'll try to kill you. This is crazy. Maybe I should listen. I want to be alone. Yeah. He's great walking around that room with the wire attached to him. The camera yeah, got it all. Cool. His name is Joe Bogart in this film, and in real life, he's Max Gillis. Now, again, he's got he was on all these kind of credits, but we wouldn't appreciate them. Yeah. Blue Healers in 94, Dick Down Under in 75, Stork in 71. He's a founding member of the 1970s experimental theater company, the Australian Performing Group. Now, if you and I grew up in Australia, we'd go, whoa, blimey. Yeah, <laughs> Crikey. Yeah, I would, yeah, I would drop my blooming onion. It's yeah. that guy from the experimental theater. Oh, he's guided Joey. Oh, look. There it is. Here. King of Gears. Yeah, that's King of the gears. power thing. Oh, here comes a nondescript beer truck. Well, this is our scientist guy. He All has right. brought with him a sort of little lab in the back. Now he's like... He knows that there was a meteorite, land, or, you know, an alien or whatever. So he's talking to himself like, you know, like, screw you, Professor something. I'm not crazy, you know, and talking about his. Um, what do you think about that technique of opening up a package of donuts while driving? <laughs> With one <laughs> hand or did he use two? I didn't pay attention. He used his teeth to rip the plastic off. And then, he, then he squished the donut out of the hole. So now he confronts J.L. Weston, and it is some pretty funny dialogue. He lets it out by mistake that it's not a meteorite, it's a UFO. And so Weston is like trying, to, he's got the same dreams of glory this guy has. He'll get a Nobel Prize if he discovers aliens. I do like the fact that this film is, doesn't really have a central character, that we are kind of switching around. Because usually a film like this would just be a focus on character. Mike. Yeah. Anything scientific happens around here, I know about it. Best Weston. Wait, his name is J.L. Weston. Are you thinking of the Best Western Hotel? Sure. Great hotel. Best bed bugs in the industry. Now, what he's doing now is he's prattling on about the ozone layer. He's obviously a stupid person who doesn't understand, right? So right. the professor's playing along. He's going, yeah, we could help each other. I, they're clearly attacking the ozone layer. We could, we could stop that together. Now, turn it up because he goes the UF up. It's too late. He got caught. UFOs. 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 Aliens. Aliens. 
J.L. Westing is stupid and not stupid at the same time. Carl, his, his office is in his barn. Yes. So, this is the first person that he respects, you know. He, he knows he's a cop. He's asked him for help to trace a label, etc., now we're going to find out essentially that it was purchased. The poison was purchased by J.L. Weston. Well, why is Western poisoning the other farms? I don't know, Mike. I don't know. I never caught it. I, just, I saw it three times. You, I never, I don't know. Regarding the lamb poisoning, you would know. So let's go ask you. <laughs> okay, right? listen, you, you have to go ahead. It's a good time. Because not much is going to happen for, you know, don't be gone forever, but not much is going to happen. I have more respect to the audience than just to get up and pee. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Thank you. So I'll keep talking to you. I don't know. What can I tell you about this film? I, just, I think I covered the filming locations, uh, but I'll just be specific. Broken Hill, New South Wales. Uh, three weeks around Broken Hill, they filmed. Uh, in Melbourne, they were at MFP Studios, which was Melbourne Film Studios. It was uh, owned by Valhalla, which makes sense. They're also in Silverton, and I mentioned this small village is featured in Mad Max. Is that interesting? I'm not sure. So now Weston is saying... Yeah, I bought that poison, but it was stolen from my uh, barn, and I can take you to the people who stole it. The film was released at the Valhalla in Melbourne and at the Brighton Bay on 9th of September, 1988. It turned up later in Sydney with the season at the Valhalla from December 24th. The 3rd of February, 89, opening the 13th of January at Walker's Cinema in North Sydney. That's it. That was its little tour, okay? And it went away. They couldn't sell it to the United States. There was some European territories. Let's see. Italy and Germany showed an interest. Sale to the U. Okay, so I'm not sure if it actually played there. They showed an interest. So this was their fourth and final film that they made together as director and producer for Valhalla. It just fell apart. This film sunk them. And it's not clear why. They spent a lot of money on it. Okay, so now Mike is showing up with Ryder's map looking for the Budweiser thing, the power to the ship. But it won't be there. So Mike is now going from Ryder's map to where the power thing is. But the it's not there. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. But for some reason, he puts two and to get two together and he knows that Cheryl has it. Now, like I said, I saw this third three other times. I I don't know how he knows it. 
but Cheryl, the past lives woman, has it. Look how pretty. Right. Gorgeous. Picture perfect. I need to put an image over it. I need to write some text over it and send it as an image. Yeah, I right. <laughs> I do is, inspirational uh, JPEGs. I take pictures of Australian outback sunsets and then I write a, a, a gaudy quote over it. Gaudy <laughs> fun. Hang Be, in there. Hang in there. It's God. almost Friday. <laughs> if it doesn't defeat you, it makes you. Teamwork yeah. makes the dream works makes the teamwork. No, <laughs> teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> What's gonna work? Teamwork. <laughs> Carl, there's no work in I. <laughs> yeah, there's no work in I. That's good. All right, so they are uh, just negotiating, even though Cheryl. Good, I'm glad okay. Cheryl's involved. Yeah, but it's unex it's not explained why she is involved. Now, we will see her go get it and find it and take it. But how in the world could Mike have known that? Did we, see, did we as the audience see that scene? I don't think we see it yet. We will see it. This is a time travel movie. Gotcha. So yeah. right now, Weston has some sort of lead on the aliens, and he goes, you wait here. And I don't really get it. They're both going after... Carl, I'd like to tell you a time travel Knock, knock joke, if I may. Okay. Knock, knock. Who's there? Dwayne the bathtub, I'm drowning. Did you say Dwayne who? Dwayne who? Dwayne. Sorry, I went back in time. I screwed up the entire joke. <laughs> I don't get it. Okay, now look, her foot is in the fire. And he's That's like, what Cheryl, your, your foot is burning. And she goes, which one? Oh, yeah, he puts on fire. Oh, you have captions? I do have captions. And they're actually being coherent. They're very closed. Closed captions? Okay, now all we're going to see is this, this long segment here, and all we're going to see is that the Budweiser power thing is starting to charge up. And that's in their van? Is that what we're seeing? Yes, it's Cheryl found it. She would wear it around as a hat, or maybe that's to come. It's in the van. That's right. Sure. Now there are taglines that kind of makes don't make sense. <clears throat> one of the taglines is well, actually, there's only two taglines, and one doesn't make sense. He goes, "We're not just talking aliens; we're talking Australian." Okay, that rhymes. Australian alien. Right, but the thing is, only Joe Bogart's an alien. So it doesn't make sense. But as an American who's going to either pick this or, I don't know, cliffhanger. Oh, it's the no, right book for the poster. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the tagline is, the fundamental things don't necessarily apply. I don't. <laughs> okay. So they're biting as off the song. As goes by. Yeah. The fundamental things apply. Okay. So they went and titled their film after that famous song. And they found out that, okay, so he's got a lead. He thinks that Mike is an alien or Mike knows about the aliens. So he just bonked Mike over the head and abducted him and put him into. Weston or Raider? 
Right. Um, Rider. The science. No, the science. Writers are friends. The scientist guy named James McCauley. Okay, McCauley. Bowtie guy. Bowtie guy. Let's call him that. Now, here's J.L. Weston also after Mike because he knows he had contact with the aliens, they think. So he's asking Connie, where is he? Tell him to call me. Weston's more direct. He doesn't bonk people on the head. <laughs> That's right. Uh -oh. Now, okay, as time goes by, 1931, Herman Humpfeld's song, made famous after its appearance in well, Casablanca, originally quoted at 5,000 for use in Australia, but then it was discovered that for world rights, it would be $100,000. This might explain why they did not distribute this film. That's a really good point, because we should mention that the As Time Goes By theme has been co-opted by... Warner Brothers Communications, Time Warner Discovery. Yeah, yeah for the logo. Yeah, for the logo at the beginning of the movies when they show the, the their studio in Burbank or what have you. And then they yes. have, uh, like, every TV show that's produced by Warner Brothers uses that at the end. So if you're watching a show, right, doesn't it, like, the credits roll and they go, buh, buh, at buh, the buh. beginning. At yeah, the at the beginning. beginning. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a definitely, it's like saying uh, <clears throat> Windows startup music, the movie. You know, like everyone knows yeah. it. Yeah. Now we will hear it at the end of this film. Uh, we know that we're watching the Australian version of the film. The song is heard in the Australian version of the film, but even then only for one verse as it quickly gives way to music by the other composers because the rights were priced on the basis of each 30 seconds minutes of usage. That is and crazy. then the music disappeared in the overseas prints, which was Italy and Germany. So that means that they didn't have the rights to do it, so they did it for 30, less than. It's, it, you'll hear it at the end. Okay. We're not playing it. I can't afford that money. Understood. $5,000 for 30 seconds? Fuck that. Australian dollars? The hell, from 1988? The hell with that. <laughs> so he's got Mike prisoner now. And, okay. These two are like J.L. Weston's thugs. And we saw them at the beginning when Ryder was shooting at them. Not shooting at them. He was only shooting at the poison. Um, so now they're excited about the ozone layer and they want the presentation, even though they've seen it 15 times. So let's turn up the sound. Sure. And let's give a good lesson. Listen to the lesson. Yes. He's like, can we see the presentation? He wants to hear the speech. Advertise. Get angry if he doesn't hear the speech. All right. All right. This is how you know Weston is dummy and not a dummy. They look at the sheep, it's part of the presentation.
They love it. They love it. <laughs> they, as part of the presentation, you flick the sheep. He goes, he they're not natural animals. Cows will come. He doesn't love him, but you loves him. Yeah, I get it. Now look, he's going to swipe a cow. Sold. Okay. So now, I'm sold. Repitch. Mike has gotten some sort of truth serum bullshit. And uh, he's going to find out that Cheryl's got the power supply to the spaceship. So our, you know, bowtie guy is getting close. Look at his bald spot, man. Yeah, not so bad. I don't know why he tied Mike, has to keep tying Mike up. Who are you working for? He goes, I'm on the dole. Yeah, right. I came to find me father. So he's frustrated, but eventually he is going to learn. Is it? Oh, so Mike's got the letter and he's going on walkabout because he wants to find his father. Right. He got a letter from Joe Bogart said like something like, if you want to meet your dad, meet me at this bar in, you know, this in the city of Dingo, whatever it was. So that's what brought him here. Gotcha. Now, he says he's from the Sirius constellation, and that upsets me because a constellation is a group of stars. It doesn't make sense. Nobody's from a constellation. When you look at a constellation in the sky, right. it appears two-dimensional, but that's just your perception. The truth is, one is 25 million light years further away, and another is 8 million light years closer. You know, there's no such—you can't live in a constellation. It, Right, so you can't, it's not like there's much serious you live in there. I mean, why so serious? Right, why so, I mean, it's Australian, so it might have been Yahoo, <laughs> but why so serious? Oh, yeah, big shout out to Yahoo Serious. Whatever. Now, look, Cheryl's wearing it. Now, the Yahoo Serious movies were good, right? Yeah, I'm not saying right. this is bad. Actually, yeah, let me take that back. This film's okay. It's not high budget, but. It's it shot in good. 16 millimeter and they blew it up to 35. That's why it looks a little. That's pretty cool. That explains mm -hmm. why there's somebody sitting in the van right now shooting the movie. <laughs> 16 millimeter camera. I'm in the passenger seat. Let's go. So they sent, he sent his thugs off to find where a uh, bow tie guy is because he knew as he ran off and captured an alien. Just knows it, you know. And so they figured out the only thing that drove by is, must be him. Right. Now, you see how the horse has his head in there because he was embarrassed. He didn't. He had a speaking role. He had a speaking role. Yeah, but he couldn't do it the day they actually shot. Why not? He was horse that day. So there's Ryder. He notices the girls coming. But he doesn't know they're the ones that dump Mike off. That's right. He doesn't know, but he takes note of it. Look, she wears the hat, like a hat. 
And she's tank. being all hippy dippy right now. So Tank Girl. Do you, you ever see the movie Tank Girl or read the comic strip uh, Tank Girl? No, I know exactly what you're talking about. No, I never did. Either the movie's we- not as good. The the comic strip's a trip. There was it was started in the nineties and it's basically the guy who did Gorillas, the the pops the pop band. Okay. I don't know but, that either. Okay. I'm old. Yeah. Well it's nineties. Young and hip. Yeah, okay, it's in the nineties. Okay. I missed it. The future is going strong. Hey lady. Clint Eastwood. <laughs> Uh, you got us thing. That's though I know that song, Clint yeah. Eastwood. That it was a cartoon video in there. Oh, I never saw the video. I just heard it on Pandora. Ah. Uh. Okay, now we're about to discover that hey, Mike is missing. Here's the convi, convi, whatever they call it, that he was driving around. The key is still in it, and then Ryder's gonna find a note. And it's clearly, it's a map in his own handwriting, and it's not going to make sense. The writer got a Hummer that was uh, off the side of the road. It's not a Hummer. (laughs) He pulled over and got a Hummer. I got you. (laughs) Uh, Cheryl was in, uh, her name's Deborah Force, and she was in this film. She was in Future Schlock, which was also done by these guys. And she was in Salt, Saliva, Sperm, and Sweat in 1988. So I immediately looked that up. Uh-huh. And it's like some short film. It's an experimental film. It doesn't really well, count. Future Shock was this pop culture book about, like, I don't know, the future and the shock. And it, it, it became like a little cultural phenomenon. So that I actually looked up Future Schlock because uh-huh. I, I love the, the, the pun. I've seen it for years. And I said, oh, there's a movie called Future Slock. But I don't know why I passed on it. I thought this looked more interesting. Well, yeah, these guys did that film. And also, uh, Deborah, you know, Cheryl was in it. And it's not in front of me right now, but there was another one of these actors who was in it. So they were all clicky. Clicky together. Okay, so now... J.L. Weston is like, hey, fuck you, man. I know you got some alien. You, you Look, you know, we have a contract, okay? You and me are partners here. It's going to be our Nobel Prize. Poor Mike. Oh. Got, he had to fall over. Yeah, I hate that. Like when you're in an ambulance and they stop short. I do. Yeah, right. It happens to me all the time <laughs> in the ambulance. Um, they, they, You ever have a dream and you're falling and that makes you wake up? Mike just did. <laughs> It's just about the kisser, too, in his dream. So we know he's going to open up the door and find Mike. But guess what? He doesn't. Mike has escaped. How did he escape? Well, when he fell over, he kind of got knocked over. Right, but we didn't see him uh, open up. When he fell over, it I don't know, it jostled his straps. He was able to... Now, remember the, he doesn't know J.L. Weston's name. He's not here from here, right? right? But he sort of knows the name of the brothers or whatever. So when he got that caution from Joe Bogart, like he's going to be watching, later, in, later he'll put two and two together. You see, he really snuck out of the van and he's hiding in the brush. 
He goes, this bloke's found something. He knows about the aliens. You follow him back to town. Oh, cool. I never realized you could get like a motorcycle and then like the, the sidecar and then the guy uh-huh. in the sidecar could have a rifle. Yeah, that's riding shotgun. Which is actually from a stagecoach, right? It's not from a... Yeah, no, it's not from those little motorcycle things. I thought it would be better to say, like, catching fly spot. And they're like, no, you're holding the shotgun. I know there's flies that hit you from the carriage ride, but, you know, that's a given. (laughs) The only phone, right, in the Outback? Oh, no, no, they're in a more... No, you're probably right. It's probably, maybe it's not the only phone, but if you want a public phone, that's where you're going. Okay, so because of Mike, he knows about the power source from the ship and he knows that Cheryl has it. And there they are. Well, this is that lady in the bar who punched. Oh, uh, wow. She's trying to help them fix their car or something. But science guy is picking up all sorts of radioactivity. He's looking for the power supply. Boo! Now, this is a woman who punched him. Right. But he doesn't seem to mind. He doesn't act like she's going to do it again. Where are the ladies who own this van? Well, the past life, uh, she was in the... Queen of the Nile. Right. You're right about that. She's saying stuff like that. Yeah. Take that, moneymaker. Well, Mike was abducted, and now he gets away. Now He's going on a runabout. He's on a, not a walkabout. He's on a runabout. A jogabout. Nice, Mike. He's heading towards the ladies. The ladies. No, he's not. They're they're in the town, far away. Um, she's picking up the com V, right? Whatever. She's playing through, playing through. <laughs> the cricketier. Okay, there's our glitches from the video. Did you cool. see it? Yeah. yeah. She's really concerned that Mike is missing. Now, you're right. It's science guy. He knows that the uh, um, crown is nearby, the power supply. He starts to drive, and then he catches the girls, and he goes, whoa, and turns around. (laughs) It's only like seven people in this area. Yeah, it's real Wild West in a way without the killing. Right. Yeah, there hasn't been much killing in this movie other than the knife play. Yeah, and he didn't die. No. Crack a crack a crack a crack a that that's it the helmet. Crack-a, ding, crack-a, ding, crack-a. Ding. So they found him, and now it's trying to, uh, you know, like he found the blokes who are poisoning the sheep, and the guy was wearing spurs, and uh, I gotta find Cheryl before the bow tie guy does. She's like he's like pouring out the plot. You know, the next steps for Act 3 uh, to those two. Now watch. He finds the crown and bonk! The he hits her with what? The, the Richter beeper? 
Oh, wow, you really not? Yeah. I just always thought of it some blunt object. Yeah, like his spare billy club. Like you yeah, have your, right, your, right, your right. blackjack. Yeah, your blackjack. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's good for bonking guys on the head. Okay, so this thing is in his place. So the machines are freaking out because it has whammy It's radioactive. Yeah, whammy jammy, detecting high levels of whammy jammy. <laughs> exactly. Because, like, radiation, if that's what they're saying. Okay, so look, claymation, uh, stop motion. Yeah. This is where their budget went. They yeah. went to they went to Pukas Art. Uh, yeah, the guys who did this um, special effects. It's Peter Stubbs and Peter Armstrong, two Peters. And also a guy named Jeff Little and Brian Pierce. They're credited with the space special effects. Time travel zaps the crash landing of the alien bar. It was Pukas, Pukas Arts and Magic did all the special effects. Pukas. He goes, that's J.L. Weston. Nobody pushes J.L. Weston around. But our bow tie guy did because he now has the everything. Yep. And he's now giving his like Nobel Prize thank you speech. And he goes, I want to thank my mother. He goes, No, I don't. No, I don't. No, I don't. No, yeah. Oh, he's funny. He's much better than Morbius because Morbius declined his Nobel Peace Prize. Is Morbius from the Marvel thing? Yeah. Yeah. Worst movie of last year, Carl. Did he decline it? Okay, now. They are going to stop. We got to do our Razzies episode. They're yep. going to stop. But, whoa, but Bowtie Guy's not going to be stopped. This is crazy. They're driving wildly in the Australian Outback and they're making a movie out of it. I never, who but knew? That was pretty badass. He went over a trench. He did? Well, you know, the, the roads here have trenches so that the rain you know, doesn't stay on the road. But the thing is, what rain? What rain? That's what oh, kills dude. me. Yeah, but once the rain hits, you'll be lucky, happy they were there. The rain will last a half day. Bang, pow, pull over, bloke. Pull over, mate. <laughs> dude, this should be in the, the movie poster. Now, this is the second time someone easily stopped him by just getting in front of him. Where's he going? Getting his Thor hat? Was this is the plot of Thor, right? What they they find the hammer. What? The plot of... Wasn't the original Marvel comic like a guy found Thor's hammer and he turns into Thor? He wasn't from Odin and all that stuff. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. He was like pipe smoking, hat wearing, fedora right. wearing. Yeah, he was Walt something. I think I think they they figured out a way to kind of get rid of the, get rid of him. Yeah, that that origin story. That character existed, but they they pushed him off. Yeah, no, that it wasn't called Odin, right? What's it called? Thor. No, the. Uh... Cities from Odin Spear Asgard. Uh, Asgard. Okay, so now they've got his crown and he's fucking humiliated. No look, look. He starts driving. He goes, Drive the other car. Look how he started driving before Mike got out of the. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird. 
So now he's taking this to Joe Bogart, and he's going to make things right. Cool. So nothing really happens. It's just that simple, right? It's just yeah. that simple. Now, Weston's going to come and stop him, right? Weston is absolutely going to get in the middle of this. He, I don't think he's going to stop him. Uh, but should I ruin it for you? No, no. We, we barely, okay. We're at the third act, right? Weston is absolutely going to be a cog in the machine. Gotcha. I did. What's a capsum? You can spoil that. Is there capsum? I don't know. What's that? Cigarette, right? I don't know. That is that a sign on the... Yeah. I can't ruin it. I wish I could ruin that for you. I can't. In, in the end of Titanic, the ship sinks, okay? Ha, I ruined a film. I no, can't... it's the middle, right? No. She's saying, someone hits me in the back of the head with the fish, and everyone in the whole igloo just sits there. She goes, it was like I was not there, like an alien from another planet. But Weston will open the door just in time to hear her say that. So he'll close the door thinking, oh, she admitted it. She's an alien. Got her. Got her. Like Jack Tripper in Three's Company. Capstan is a British brand of unfiltered cigarettes currently owned and manufactured by Imperial Brands. The brand dwindled in popularity when the health effects of tobacco became more widely known. shops. Okay. They're British cigarettes. With no filter. <laughs> That's like my comedy. I felt that. Now look, they're going into a bar, right? They're going into a bar. Now Weston sees them go into the bar, so there's going to be a in the bar incident. Now he thinks that aliens are in the bar with Ryder, so he's going to go get his two thugs, and they're going to kind of have a shoot 'em out thing. Wow! In this there. Now let's listen. Let's listen. Okay. I actually have to close the studio door and open. Okay. Because it's great. You brought it back. You. What is it? The, uh, of the dreams of me, though. Of course, I don't look like Shirley MacLaine. You people are all strange. I don't. You get why that's ironic, because she's the strange one. Okay, so Joe Bogart now has the crown, okay? And okay. Dale Weston thinks he's got a finger on the alien. You want to sign back on? Yeah, when it's Joe, oh, when it's Joe yeah, Bogart. You want me in showbiz, a rock star. Look, he's giving him songs from the future. From 1990? That's yeah. a year now. Songs from the future. So you can turn the sound off, but when Joe Bogart comes on, turn it on because it's okay. Meanwhile, I want to play some songs from the future from 1990. People are still having sex. I'm too sexy for this oh, shirt. Too sexy for my... <laughs> it wow. Hurts. Music for the future is so crazy. Ryder. He said the notes on the map looked like his handwriting. <laughs> yeah, J.L. Weston killed Ryder last time. Oh. There comes the aliens. 
don't look like aliens. Of course they don't look like aliens, you idiots. Hey, can I mention, she talked about Shirley MacLaine, and I thought because she looked this cute as Shirley MacLaine, but this is the 80s when uh -huh. Shirley MacLaine was writing those books about past lives. Right, and she's all about past lives, and that's why it was referenced, yeah. Gotcha. I thought it was because she looked like her from, you know, the apartment or something. Cool. So now he says, Ryder was killed at 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock. It's 10.58 right now. Now he's putting it together who J.L. Weston is. And he's like, he's going to kill him again. Oh, so there is murder in this. Yes. Yeah, what's the word? What's the word? Uh, 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock. It's high 11. <laughs> All right, why aren't they doing it at noon? It's high 11. Sorry, the time difference in Australia. Oh, wow. on his head. That's a good way. So there's a little blood, but not too much blood. And he can... Right. Yeah. Unlike... Recently, we saw a lot of bloodless killing, right? And those old oh films. my god, they you hear a sound of a pop gun, and then suddenly they just fall down. That was oh, that I've was been a, shot. It was this no sound, it was a silent, wasn't it? It, I think it was the whammy jammy zombie, uh, it was uh, the shape of things to come or whatever, yes, right? So it was a talkie bloodless killing, but there were other ones, there was another black and white we saw. And and I remember Dead End too. I mean, he was oh right. You can't oh, fake falling off a building, but so look, he wants to save his life, and so he's like, "It's too bad. It's too bad." He goes, "Look, I didn't charge it all the way. I didn't power it. You can't." So Mike has stolen the time thing to go save Ryder's life. Now Whoa. here's our only surfing scene. Yay! Da 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 da. Nobody gets what we're singing. Da 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 da. Well, the, the remake of Hawaii Five O has been on the air for like 18 years. Did it have that song? I don't know. I never watched it. Well, he goes, "Watch your hand." I never watched it either. The original either. Uh, yeah, watch your hand. But which doesn't make sense because he's not there to turn on the engine, right? It didn't make sense when they went a minute back in time to prevent what they did, but they're not there in the room. Right. They're not there in the room. It's like the new them. Yeah. From... So now he's it's... like out of charge or something. Oh, no. Well, he sees... Okay, I don't know if you're recognizing it's the same footage from before... Um, he sees uh, Connie, and so he's like, tells her the story, let's go save Ryder's life. And Connie just believes in time travel all of a sudden. So Connie. there's Ryder, and what he could do right now is prevent Ryder from going to town. But too late, too late. So he's got to have enlist Connie to do it. All right, you know what? This film is really good, but I don't want this film to lose me. Don't lose me, film. I understand what's going on. Thank you, Carl. Well, he's going to prevent Ryder from getting shot. That's what he's up to. We're we're back in time. Nobody, 
Nobody treats J.L. Weston like yeah. that. So that guy has two non-dust-related jokes aligned. Yeah, that's right, and that's it. Okay, that's so it. now everything's cool, right? She's just going to drive with Connie into town and save Ryder's life, right? What could go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? With the Com V that's <laughs> taking them to save Ryder's life. What could possibly go wrong? Uh-oh. Now, look, he's not there with Mike. This is a different future uh, or a different timeline or something. Timeline. J.L. Weston wakes up again. Rise and shine, Weston. Now, remember, when we last left off, Weston and the two thugs were about to burst into the bar and shoot everybody. Right. I don't know why, though. He wants to save the aliens, not shoot them. He's once again discovered they're aliens, you know. Okay. I think I've seen this part. Yes, you have. Oh, Batmobile. Oh, no, what could possibly fake go wrong with our fake effects? <laughs> Did you see how the wheel rolled right in front of the camera? It was, it was good, Carl. Come on. No, come on. It was further behind <laughs> than the car was, so it just logically makes sense. Also, does it help when you hear, and action. Yeah, right. Yeah, cut. Mike. Yeah. Look at that fucking gun he's got, man. Riding sidecar shotgun. That's not a rifle. It's like a Tommy gun or some crap. Yeah. Look at it. It's like a little Uzi. These guys are all dust covered. Come on. Well, they never, they're like outback stereotypes. Well, everyone else lives out there. And they're... Stop. Uh-oh, 11. Right. Now they have like a minute to. So. Win it. What they do is they're screaming to Ryder. Ryder, look out. Oh, it says police station. I guess it's not a bar. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Ryder, look out. Police station. Ryder. So JL Weston goes in. They hear a bunch of shots and they're like, oh no, we were too late. But they weren't because they yelled at him. Oh, there's a big pile of bloodless humans. Right. <laughs> of course I'm okay. I can handle these blokes. This lot. Wow, empty cast. He just killed three people? Yeah. And now he gets complaining, complaining. He rolls his eyes. Oh, women. Even though he tricked them to right. get them out there. Who's the jerk? Okay, now. They're all going into the bar. Yeah, we're going to wrap it up. Intriguing. Is it? Is it? I don't know. Yeah, I think you're right. Something else could have happened. But I mean, this film is good. It does its job. It keeps you interested. Yeah. You're going back in time and then forward. And and, and now we're going to have some big reveals. Of all the gin joints and blah, blah. Right. Ooh. Right. This is when, at the end of the film, I was like, he's bald? <laughs> ah, Mike. Yes, Mike. I made a promise to ride out. Michael is your son, who you killed with the cricket club. 
What? Yeah, he said, I couldn't tell you because you wouldn't get all grouchy and become a cop and end up here again. It's a little selfish of the alien. Oh, but you're helping an alien. He goes, I need the power capsule. He goes, yeah, but I brought it to you. He goes, yeah, but then you went back again, dummy. Don't you remember? Where's the power capsule? Guess who's got it? We know who's got it. It's Bowtie Guy. Right. So he, Mike grew up not knowing that he is the son of, right. He never knew his dad, and this was a way to meet his dad. Now, Mike will fall into a ditch, and Joe Bogart will turn back time and say, look out for the ditch. I love it. Wow, that's what I call action. Watch out for the ditch. Wow, that's great. They really use the time effects really well. <coughs> now, there's an action scene going on in which he's chasing the guy for the crown, but we interrupt the, that action to go to this He's made the arrangement. He's going back 25 years and he's going to save his own son's life by not, he's going to have a life in which he knew his son and was raised his son. Mike. Right. Who's banging his best friend. Who's banging his, I guess so. But somehow Connie's like, is the the, uh, niece or something weird. I don't know. I think I would know, but boom, he's gone. Back to save your life. They should be walking in the door. Play it, Sam. Oh, here we go. There we go, Carl, for the sound. Cost him five grand. Listen. We're going to get pulled from YouTube on this. It's worth it. Keep listening. Fundamental things apply. And that's it. It would cost them more than five grand. Okay, well, now that we played the musical track that got them in legal trouble. They did get them into legal trouble. They couldn't afford a hundred grand. That's to do time, 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 dooby dooby doo time. Yeah, yeah, time going by. Oh, is that? Yeah, well, they should have just switched it to a different As Time Goes By song. Carl, what do you think of the movie? I think that the movie was a good film. I don't think it was a bad film. Um, I think the next film we're going to watch is a pretty bad film. I think this was a good film, and it's too bad that it didn't get a chance to. It it, it probably was a very good-looking film, too, but we just saw it on VHS, and it never right. made it to DVD. And... I mean, I'm sure that the exterior shots were fantastic. Yeah. It was the outback and, you know, a magnificent desert and beautiful big sky country, just like Montana, you know. It's a little weird because, I don't know, it's a good movie. It's definitely a good movie. I just was hoping for more sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. They used the sign. They went back in time to warn Mike there's a ditch. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, maybe, I don't know. 
Tenet it is not, right? Tenet, he would go backwards in time while Bullock yep. was forward or something, something interesting. Join us next week. You can by tuning in to Mutiny Radio next Sunday at, at 2 p.m. Subscribe to our YouTube channel to see us in person and watch the movie or Asynced. Or subscribe to our podcast, the OG podcast, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube. Carl, what a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank Go you. to carlsucks.com to see where he's performing. It's probably Scotty's and elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube. friend i wrote this song uh, my turn-ons are satin sheets and the way champagne tickles my nose and i love to paint outdoors listen you should follow me on twitter it's jokes to carl the french duh not the oh, oh, duh. let's watch a full-length movie on Stay tuned for two hours of music and other such scary items. Thank you for doing what you got to do to do. Once again, this is Bughouse Square. Well, what is a vigilante man? Tell me what is a
And he said, unite all you working men. Killed him in the river, some strange man was then a vigilante man. And they herded us around like a wild herd of cattle Was that the vigilante men? Have you seen that vigilante man? Have you seen that vigilante man? I've heard his name all over the land How do you do, boys and girls? My name is Alfred Hitchcock, and I'm delighted to find that you believe in ghosts too. After all, they believe in you, so it is only common courtesy and politeness to return the favor. As a matter of fact, I tell them human stories all the time, and they enjoy them immensely. Now, of course, the best way to listen to ghost stories is with the lights out. There is nothing like a dark room to attract ghosts, and you may like to have some of our mutual friends come and listen with you. Are the lights out? Good. Doors closed, blinds drawn, excellent. Don't worry about the ghosts getting in. They can slither through keyholes and under doors, you know. Now just be quiet. Hear that slithering? Ah, good. Now that we're all here, we can begin. First of all, let me say that I have always been curious about those things which makes the average person's blood run cold with fear and horror. But then the average person becomes upset over such simple things as a door opening, footsteps in the hall, an ordinary owl or cat. And they make such a fuss over simple things like the fluttering of a bird's wings girl's voice on a summer evening, or for that matter, a dripping faucet, as we seem to have here. But you and I are above these things. However, it might be best for me to get a wrench and turn that water off completely. While I'm doing that, why don't you listen to the first story, The Haunted and the haunters, 
or the pirate's curse. It's about the housing shortage some years ago. Outside, a cold wind punished those who dared to walk the streets. But near the fireplace, Mr. White and his son played a game of chess, while his mother knitted sitting on an armchair. With this weather, I believe Morris won't show up. Focus on the game. I've checked you. Why did we decide to live in this godforsaken place? Checkmate! <laughs> A gate was heard opening. It's him! Would you believe it? I want you to meet Sergeant Major Morris. It's a pleasure to meet you. Mr. White has always told me a lot about you. Sit right here, near the fire, to warm yourself. Would you like a drink, Major? Thank you very much for your hospitality. The reception went well. They talked about the old days before the Major left for overseas missions. Maybe it was the effect of the whiskey, because the Major's story started to get more melancholic. It's been twenty years that I've known the world. I would have liked to go to India and meet that exotic land. What nonsense! It was much better that you stayed here. Tell us about that monkey's paw that you mentioned in the letters we've exchanged. Monkey's paw? I have it here. At first glance, it looks like a banal souvenir. But appearances can be deceiving. Jesus Christ! But what's so special about this? It has a long-standing spell cast by a prominent Indian fakir. He wanted to prove that destiny rules men's lives, and by trying to interfere, man attracts only evil to himself. The first three who carried the monkey's paw could have three wishes granted. And why don't you ask yours? I already did. And did the Paul grant yours? Yes, said the Major, with a funeral tone. Has anyone else had their wishes fulfilled before you? Yes, my boss, Colonel Graham. His last wish was death itself. And that's how I got the paw. If you have already had your wishes fulfilled, why do you still keep the monkey's paw with you? I'm a fool. I thought I could sell it to someone, but even more fool would be the one who would buy this artifact based on a fictitious story. All of a sudden, the Major threw his paw into the fireplace. No! Mr. White pulled the paw out of the flames. It was better to have let it burn. If you don't want it, I can keep it. My wish was to destroy it. If you want to keep the paw, fine, but don't blame me for the consequences. I want to keep it, but does it work? Just hold it in your right hand and say your request out loud, but there will be consequences. Mr. White was delighted with the paw. At dinner time, the mysterious atmosphere dissipated, replaced by a more pleasant environment. At the time of leaving, the Major greeted his friend and gave him one last piece of advice. Choose your wishes wisely.
One simple but brilliant trick to heat your home in 90 seconds and save thousands of dollars on your heating bill this winter. This genius way to heat any room for almost zero cost is taking over the market like crazy in the US. An ingenious college kid from Fairbanks, Alaska, just destroyed the billion dollar heating industry by building a device that can heat any room 90% cheaper than traditional heating bills. Martin designed the invention after budget cuts left his school with a broken heating system in freezing cold winter. He and his fellow classmates had to study for their exams at 55 degree temperatures. And when their plea for a new heating system able to reverse engineer common air heating units. Using the dual Thomson physics principle that powers all major types of heating systems, he built a one-of-a-kind device that creates a perpetual heating room, recycling the heat that's generated so the light He brought the super-cooled gadget to school, and the results were incredible. And the control testing, temperatures in the bitterly cold classrooms rose from 55 to 75 degrees in just two minutes while using 90% less energy.
go of the paw scared. It fell to the floor. It moved in my hand. It looked like a snake, and a finger now seemed to be bent. If you say so, but I don't see any money. Father and son smoked their pipes before bed. The Major said that wishes don't simply come true. The object of desire appears naturally, even looking like a coincidence. It was a fun night, Father, but I'm going to sleep. It's already late and I have to work tomorrow. The next day, the White family had breakfast, while they laughed at themselves for being so naive and believing the Major. Be careful, Dad, when you leave home. Two hundred pounds may fall on your head. But it doesn't work like that. The Major said that the wish would come true randomly. I'm going to the factory. Don't spend all the money before I come back. You're funny. You don't believe it. But the paw moved in my hand right after I made the request. Of course it did, dear. Mr. White stopped smiling and decided to read the newspaper. But he was sure of what had happened. In the middle of the afternoon, Mrs. White, through the window, saw two gentlemen lined up in front of her house, looking hesitant. They decided to knock on the White family's door and were welcomed by Mrs. White. We're here on behalf of Ma and Meggins. Did something happen to my son? Unfortunately, we don't have good news. Christ, what happened? Just say it! A terrible accident happened and your son was swallowed by the machine. It was all extremely fast. He didn't suffer. Mrs. White fell to her knees on the ground and was supported by her husband. But what followed left Mr. White even more incredulous. The company is not responsible for the accident, but even so, we would like to compensate the family with a substantial amount. At this moment, Mr. White was shocked and an intense cold shiver went up his spine. With great fear, he gathered his strength and asked, How much would that be? Two hundred pounds. When Mr. White heard the figure, he fainted. The young man's burial took place at the new cemetery, a few kilometers away from the White family house. It was a simple and discreet ceremony. The couple, still shocked, walked back home. It was a long way, but they were in no hurry to return. They knew the pain of not finding their son at home would be unbearable. The following days were quite melancholy. How scary is that? They don't even know they're being recorded. When I say hidden camera, you still think about high-tech spy movies. <laughs>
died a week ago, and the insomniac couple looked at the ceiling over their bed. Suddenly, Mrs. White took a leap. Her husband screamed, scared. The monkey's paw! She stood up, quickly getting out of bed, surprising her husband. Where is the monkey's paw? Mrs. White was desperately looking for the paw in the room. I want the paw. You didn't destroy it, right? It's in the first drawer of the dresser. Mrs. White found the paw where her husband indicated. Oh, thank God. She grabbed it with both hands, looking at it crazily. How did we not think of this before? What? We still have two wishes. That's silly. Everything was just a terrible coincidence. Grab the paw and do it again. What? Are you crazy? Ask our son back. He's been dead for ten days. I didn't want to say this, but he was so disfigured that I could only recognize him by his clothes. It doesn't matter. I want my son back. Mr. White grabbed the paw in terrible fear. Ask it now. Like the first time, he grabbed the paw and said, I wish my son could live again. He felt the paw moving again and let it go, scared. Strengthless, he sat on his armchair. His frantic wife looked out the window, waiting for her son. Some time passed and nothing happened. Mr. White felt relieved because he feared what could happen. He took his wife to his room, trying to comfort her. It's a pity, my dear, but this paw is a sham. The couple returned to the room without saying a word and laid in bed. They spent some time in bed, 
thinking about how stupid it was to believe that an animal's fawn would resurrect their son. Suddenly, there was a strange noise in the house. Mrs. White got agitated. What's that? A rat, surely. I saw a big one this morning. The couple heard the noise again. This time, it seemed to come from the front door. That's our son. He's back. Mr. White, afraid, tried to hold his wife by the arm, asking her to be rational. Logically, he would take a long time to arrive. Cemetery is a few kilometers away. What his wife said made sense. Mr. White was trembling because he had no idea under what conditions his son would appear. After all, the Major had warned that the paw would end up cursing anyone who tried to change fate. An even stronger knock was heard. Mrs. White ran to open the door. She tried to stick the key in the lock, but her hands were shaking with emotion, which made the task more difficult. Please, do not open the door! Mrs. White was fighting with the lock that seemed stuck, preventing her from meeting her son again. Mr. White was consumed by terror. He was terrified that his son's rotten carcass would enter the door like a living dead. In an act of desperation, he looked for the monkey's paw, which had fallen to the ground, and he asked for his last wish. Mrs. White opened the door, and an icy stream of air invaded the house. She bowed her head and sighed in disappointment, much to her husband's relief. He grabbed the lamp and, with courage, looked to see what was outside. The road that passed in front of the house was calm and empty. Yeah. 
Yeah. 